standard issue for all women. Well, hello there, listener. Welcome to our latest gigcast. This event took place at the Leicester Square Theatre in December, where Mickey and I spoke to author and founder of Everyday Sexism, Laura Bates, and to comedians Felicity Ward and Susie Ruffle. Yes, that does sound like a fun evening. We talked about almost everything, from a young Ed Sheeran anecdote to that time I nearly threw up on some small Chinese children. We found out about pie, not the edible one, the maths one, about lizards, and about rubbish Christmas presents. So, you know, fun and educational. Thanks to all our guests, to the technical whiz that is Maddie Hickish, and to our lovely audience. And remember, if you want to be in our audience, you just have to buy a reasonably priced ticket from Sarah's website. Here's Mickey with some more on that. Oh, hey, Birmingham. Get you looking all capital of the Midlands. And we will be in you on March the 24th for a cracking event at the Town Hall as part of Podfest Birmingham, where we're joined by Jess Phillips MP, Beverly Knight and the boss, Sarah Millican. More info and indeed tickets can be found at sarahmillican.co.uk forward slash standard hyphen issue. But you better be sharpish as they are selling damn fast. Welcome to the Standard Issue podcast. (laughs) So we're going to do some introductions and the way we do that is we say our name, we say what we do and a random fact about ourselves. So my name is Mickey Noonan. I am a quarter of the Standard Issue podcast team. And my favourite ever bit of graffiti that I have seen is on the back of a pub door in Manchester. And it just says, Jennifer is now Chinese. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone? (laughs) No? She is, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not arguing with the facts. (laughs) Susie? Uh, I am Susie Ruffle. I'm a stand-up comedian. And I was a member of Portsmouth Reptile Society. (laughs) I did not know that about you. How have you... Yeah, how have you kept that for this long? I know that you love reptiles. Sorry. I mean, we'll get back to the show. and We can put our friendship aside for the moment. We'll talk about it after the show. Well, what are the entry requirements? Oh, just go. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, be willing to, like, hold a reptile. What's your favourite reptile? Ah, oh, they're all special in their own ways. Uh, <laughs> maybe a gecko, though. Or an iguana. I mean, all of them. They've got funny little faces, haven't they? You want to give them a squeeze? <laughs> in not too much. Don't kill them. <laughs> I like reptiles. <laughs> I got angry on Twitter yesterday because everyone goes on about chameleons and how rad it is that their skin changes. No one talks about the fact their eyes move independently of each other. Why is that not breaking news? It's great stuff. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I mean, for someone who likes reptiles, you seem pretty <laughs> underwhelmed by that rad. <laughs> I I just, I've just known about it since I was in Portsmouth Reptile Society, which was more than 20 years ago. So it's just, it's not news to me. It's just... Yeah, well, do you want to recruit new members or what? <laughs> no, not really. I like it being a select few. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here first. Fuck chameleons. <laughs> you right. don't, that's illegal. That yeah. is illegal. <laughs> Flick, you need to say who you are and oh. what you do. <laughs> I'm Felicity Ward, uh, all-round charmer. I'm a... <laughs> I'm not. I'm an awful person. Um, I'm... Seconded. <laughs> That wasn't a motion. I am um, I'm a stand-up comedian and my... Oh, this is, my, this is always my boring fact. I had dead straight hair until I was 22. And for the listeners at home, my hair is bouffant and curly now. <laughs> Did you just go to bed one night with it straight and woke up? No, I was a mad tomboy and so when it grew long enough to put in a ponytail, I'd wash it and then I'd put it straight in the ponytail and then one day I didn't. And I was like, why isn't it staying straight? And then I had ringlets all over my head. I'm like, I mean, I've, has anyone seen the peanut butter solution? Is it that, that the name of the... F- I mean, no one has. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a, a young boy. It's a movie about a young boy who gets a shock and all of his hair falls out. And then he starts putting peanut butter on his scalp and then he can't stop growing hair. It's... Is it a it, porn film? It is. <laughs> For a lot of bald men, I imagine it is. As all a, women. A similar thing happened to my, my mum when she had chemo all her hair fell out. And when it grew back, it was black and it was really, really curly. Wow. And it what was, was, like what colour was it before? White. Because she was like 70 and it was straight. And then it grew back black oh. and curly. And it was like that for about three or four months. And then it came and her like ordinary hair came back again. Yeah, this has been odd. like this for ages. 
I don't think it's going straight again. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Is that of your reptile opinion? Is that... <laughs> okay, I'm a little cold-blooded, but so are you. <laughs> Laura? Um, I'm Laura Bates. I run the Everyday Sexism Project and I'm a writer. Uh, and I auditioned for the role of Daenerys, if that's how you say it, in Game of Thrones. <gasps> oh, oh, my you. God. I'm not going to beat that. <laughs> the fact that I don't know how to say it is a good indication uh, of how the audition Did you went. get it? I was going to say, I haven't seen it. Did you get the part? <laughs> Spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> I won't I let you know. I wonder how that would have worked with you, because, like, Daenerys My life would have taken of, a different direction. Yeah, then maybe not so feminist, because, maybe, yeah, yeah, she's been so involved much. in some plots that have caused me to say, <laughs> yikes, at the very least. <laughs> Dragons, though. Susie would have been in there. Yeah. Yeah. Not a reptile, mate, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a reptile. Yes, yeah, it's similar, but... I mean, I like dragons, don't get me wrong. Okay. But they're not actually real, Mickey. Yeah, that's my biggest issue. <laughs> <laughs> if I was what? part of the dragon society, it'd be kind of a different thing. I mean, I bet it exists, and more power to them. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've no idea how to follow any of this. Um, yeah, I'm Hannah. I'm another quarter of the standard issue team, and I am just out of fun facts about myself. Start with Susie. Uh, what's the best and the worst Christmas present you've ever been given? Uh, the best one was when I was nine. Mum and Dad got me a Wallace and Gromit Play-Doh set. Oh. Yeah, which you could put the wire through, so if you so you could like make them move, so you could like sort of do little scenes with them. You can make uh, your own little animatronic thing. Yeah, didn't have friends. That's probably, probably important. Uh, but then I had some, uh, and they were made of Play-Doh. So that would probably be my best one. Uh, also made them a little house to live in. Found a box, found some wallpaper. It was lovely. Had an eye at my brother, he threw it down the stairs. Look, uh, the worst one I've ever received, oh, I'm pretty, oh. Yeah, I got one. Um, I had a nanny ruffle who was lovely and... A lot. And um, <laughs> ginger hair, blonde fringe. And um, she used to buy a, you know, that really cheap makeup you can get. So she was giving me that from when I was about eight, which would make me look like I was, you know. Giving it away. Well, yeah. It may, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Flick. I couldn't find that. And I really appreciate you jumping to my cheers. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it was really, it was yeah, a lot for a nine, it would have been a lot for a nine-year-old face. And it was the sort of stuff that, um, I believe that's where my eczema sort of really found its place <laughs> in the world. And uh, I remember saying to my cousin Holly, I said to Holly, what did you get from Nanny Ruffle this year? That year she'd got a headband with her name spelled incorrectly on it. I had received that the year before, also my name spelled incorrectly. Uh, and um, Spelt Holly? <laughs> <laughs> And um, I said to my cousin Holly, oh, I got makeup this year. And she just went, ugh, unlucky. And uh, so I'd say it was that. I mean, she gave it with love, sure. But it was just very like, oh, I'm going to wear some makeup. (laughs) Is this what it feels like to be a woman? (laughs) Yeah. I feel so pretty and itchy. (laughs) That's probably it, yeah. Felicity? Um, Actually, the worst present that I can think of um, was also from my nan. Uh, Nan's getting a bad rap. Um, my nan was like a bit of a... She was tough. She had like six kids. She was like Irish, Catholic, Australian. And both her... And, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. They were both ex-military too. My grandpa and my grandpa. My grandpa and my grandpa. Um, <laughs> and my grandma. That's actually factually true. Three of them were. Um, so nan gave me... Uh, you know those... You know those bi- like big babies? Like they're normal... They're, they're not a baby size. I mean, it was a toy. It wasn't a real baby. Um, but she gave me a toy baby that was almost like, almost as big as me, but it was bald. And it was just, not the baldness is ugly. I've had quite a go at baldness tonight. I'm very supportive <laughs> of the bald community. But I just, as a, as a kid, I don't want, I didn't want a bald baby. And I, I was so upset by it that I got a marker and I drew hair all over it. <laughs> And then I hid it underneath a bunk bed and then, um, and then Nan found it and then she said, Felicity. And I was like, yes. And she goes, who did this? And I went, um, and went through all of my 16 cousins methodically one by one and she gave me the reasons why it wasn't them. And then eventually I just said, 
you did it, nanny. <laughs> and let me tell you, Pat Ward was not someone who had a sense of humour, <laughs> not even from a three-year-old. Um, the best present, I don't, I don't even, I can't even think of anything. I mean, I'm sure they're all good. <laughs> I can't think of any good presents or bad. How can you think of that on the spot? I've had 38 Christmases. That's a lot. Sorry, I don't know why I took that out on you. Uh, <laughs> if anything, this is an indictment on my memory. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. It just makes I, sure that you, remember, any old crap will I remember do. I had a nice pair. Mum gave me a nice pair of um, gorilla slippers in about 1993 and you put your foot in the mouth and I thought that was thumbs up. I had some hedgehog ones. Did you? Yeah. Oh, I love cute. a hedgehog one. Yeah, but... They do look more like roadkill than gorillas, though. Do you put your head, in, your, your foot, in, you don't, don't put, put your head, head in there? In there <laughs> do you put You're your thinking f- of a hat, mate. Oh, I am thinking of a hat. I got a great hat for Christmas. Do you put your foot in the mouth? Was it like that? No, it's just like in the head. In the back? Yeah. Oh, that's a different implication. It's creepy, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. But up the arse of the hedgehog? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, not the arse. Just in the centre. Yeah, but. So is he looking up at you? Just looking or straight. Is he forward. He's looking straight. On his way. Yeah. Like, is it like he's walking your feet? Yeah. Or is it like he's sitting back and no. you're walking him out with him laid out? <laughs> I, don't I don't know why I'm enjoying this so much. Is he, yeah, is he in a sunbathing position? Like belly up, or looking is he on at his you, way? Or is he on his way? Yeah. No, he's just just on his way. He's on his way. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So you've put your foot just inside him. Just on him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. How violent. <laughs> Laura? <laughs> um, I think the worst one was probably a, a mug, which I discovered, I mean, bad enough, really, a mug for a Christmas present, but I discovered it was a re-gift because it had been personalised with the name <laughs> of the person <laughs> who gave it to me, who obviously hadn't realised. Uh, probably the best one. I had actually some really good, this year, someone has given me this book that I think, I don't know if it's coming out or if it's already come out, it's called uh, New Erotica for Feminists, I think. And it's just, it's just really great. It starts out, you know, in a kind of really erotic way and then th- these little tiny vignettes. So it'll be something like, you know, I sat down in the, in the public place and like my nipple gradually slipped out from the top, um, from the top of my lacy camisole. I looked around, I casually breastfed my baby and no one bothered me and I was taking <laughs> Everyone was completely normal. There's another really good one that's on the back, I think, that's about um, it's something like my boss called me into his office, my heart racing, the blinds were put down. I'm obviously paraphrasing, it's better than this. The, the blinds were quickly put down and the door was locked. He promoted me. He promoted me over and over and over again. I was in ecstasy. <laughs> It's a good one. I, I want that it. book for Christmas. It's a good stocking filler. <laughs> Why no. have you opened it already? It was unwrapped. So it was, you know, it's one of those, you know, when you see your friends and you do like a pre-Christmas gathering and you exchange gifts. Okay, I've just had to check because of the rules <laughs> and stuff. It's fine. Are <laughs> <laughs> your friends still getting you Christmas presents? Yeah, we have like a group of friends and we have like a fake Christmas. <laughs> Susie, we need to talk it. after the show, yeah. mate. <laughs> Yeah, I don't get many Christmas presents, and it only occurred to me recently it's because I don't buy many. So, <laughs> I mean, I think people have got bored of buying me presents, and I go, oh, fuck, I haven't got anything for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the certain friends keep buying them for me, I think, because they enjoy embarrassing me, because I, um, I just, no, no, not again. It's a, <laughs> it's a great moral currency, isn't yeah. it? People have different levels of enthusiasm for it, though. We yeah. actually had this lunch today, this friendship group of mine, and we meet up and we do like a thieving Santa thing, and it's like a £10 limit on the gift. And some people have been out and been really thoughtful about coming up with things like, you know, like this feminist book that would be really thoughtful. Some One person who I won't name had wrapped up a £10 note. <laughs> that was his contribution. <laughs> so, ups and downs. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something I do. What about you, Mick? Are we asking each other questions? Yeah, why not? Oh, okay. Um... So the best present I ever got was a scale X trick, <gasps> which I loved. And it had a, like a, a bad guy car or, or woman, you know, feminism, and also a police car. And they used to race it and I loved it. Mm. And the shittest present was a bird box. And it's not because I don't like birds or putting them in boxes, but <laughs> I've got two cats and no garden. <laughs> 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 just in the house, window open. Come on, guys. What could possibly go wrong? When you say bird box, was it a coffin? <laughs> it did end up that way, yeah. 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 Just stashing food for cats. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah? Um, well, the best and worst might well be the same thing for me, in that when I was about nine, I got a bike, and um, I was very excited about this. But it came in a box, which was weird. 
and, and it needed assembling, which was really weird. Um, I think it fell off the back of a lorry or something. My sister and I got exactly the same one. And when my dad had spent ages putting it together, it, we realized it didn't have any pedals. It just had like two metal bars that you had to put your feet on. And he kept saying, oh, when, it opens, when the place opens again, which was probably when I see that guy in the pub again, I'll find out what happened to the pedals. And um, we just learned to ride it without the pedals. And so we just never got pedals. Mate, we, just, we just rode it on the thing. You would be, imagine if we put you on a normal bike now. Yeah. You'd be like Tour de France. Good. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Has it, anyone got a bike? Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> or on them. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say the worst present I've ever heard of um, was uh, somebody bought my brother a paintballing experience for one. <laughs> Which is Isn't that a hitman? Funny <laughs> on about 95 different levels because he was like, wow, thanks. Like, I either have to persuade everyone else to pay to come with me or I have to turn up on my own, looking like Mike <laughs> from space, like just some uh. complete weirdo going, hey, I love this so much, I'm here by myself. <laughs> Maybe it's actually a comment on facing yourself and your deepest fears if you have to go out and confront yourself in the paintball wilderness. I yeah. just think it was a bit tight. Yeah, probably yeah, tight. Probably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had a mate who bought his mum, um, her birthday present was a ticket to the theatre. Just a ticket <laughs> <laughs> to go on her own. And we were like, mate, you should have, like gone with her or got or two and he went they were expensive and I don't want to see it a theatre ticket's quite tricky though because when you buy someone two you're like quite often you're like I hope it's this unsaid agreement that I am the person coming mm. with oh, you because I have just spent yeah. a lot of money oh mate yeah I just hang on just quick check my husband isn't in the audience is he <laughs> I just picked up his Christmas present yesterday fuck me went to get tickets for Harry Potter and the Cursed. Jesus Christ. It's like a fucking mortgage payment. <laughs> <laughs> it's outrageous. It is magical though. I, I mean, fucking better be. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that kind of attitude, you're bound to enjoy it. <laughs> Come the fuck on then. Where's the magic? <laughs> you better magic the fuck out of me. <laughs> That's how I'm going to heckle them. <laughs> That's how they perform better, isn't it? Yeah. Heckling, yeah. <laughs> Um, Laura, yeah. I've heard rumours that you are a feminist. Mm. Guilty, yeah. Good, good. Yuck. <laughs> and I just wondered, what was your feminist light bulb moment? Um, it was kind of a, it was all about listening to other women's stories for me. I had a, a week, a really awful week in which by complete coincidence, a bunch of things happened very close together. So I was on my way home one day and a man started following me, started quite aggressively sexually propositioning me and refusing to take no for an answer. And eventually just kind of said, well, I'm just going to follow you home and then I'll always know where you live. And I went home and kind of shrugged it off and felt awful as you do and didn't really say anything to anybody like you do. And then a few nights later, I was on the bus quite late at night on the phone to my mum and uh, suddenly looked down and realised that the guy next to me had his hand between my legs and was quickly pulling his hand up and into my crotch and stood up, moved away from him and being on the phone to my mum in that kind of bubble, I said out loud, I'm, I'm on the bus, this man just groped me. And everybody on that bus heard and everybody looked out the window not one person even made eye contact it was a total sense of this is normal don't make a fuss don't bring it up no one's going to do anything and then a few days later again I was walking down the street and there were some guys unloading some scaffolding off the back of a truck and within about a meter of me as I walked past one of them very casually just turned to the other and said look at the tits on that and at the end of this week, I was sitting thinking about these three things and thinking about what, what an awful week it had been. And it suddenly just hit me. If they hadn't all happened in the same week, I never would have thought twice about any one of those things because it was normal. And that was the kind of moment for me thinking, why is it normal? And I suddenly realized I'd never told anyone. And so many similar things had happened over the months and years that I'd never told anyone. So I started asking other women, hey, have you ever experienced anything like this? And at the time, I honestly thought that people would say, you know, a few people would have a story from a few years ago or, you know, this one thing that had happened. And of course, it was every woman I spoke to and it was on my way to meet you just now this happened. You know, how long have you got? And that was what kind of, yeah, did it for me. Amazing. How old were you when that happened? It was, I was much older than I would have liked to have think, thought I would have been. I went all sailed through school and university without ever having anyone talk to me about feminism, about women's rights. Yeah. 
not having a sense of it, not because I didn't experience it, but because no one ever gave me the permission to, to name it, you know. Yeah, I see. That's I, the, I think it was like that with common. me, because I came from, like, a really working-class background, and then I went into the media, and mm. I assumed the, the thing that was holding me back, until I was way into my 30s, the reason that other people around me were being promoted. And also, I worked in comedy in the way that was because... You know, these people, especially with journalism, is because they were middle class, because they knew people and all of this. Mm. And, and then suddenly somebody said to me, well, actually, also at the same time, I got a really bad editor who was really obviously sexist. And, I, and somebody said to me, no, it's because you're a woman. And I thought, oh, shit, it is, isn't it? And it had never <laughs> occurred to me up until that point. I'd always been really fixated on the fact that it was being working class that had held me back. So, yeah, I was probably in my 30s before. Mm. But then once it happened, it was like... You know, the scales fell from your yeah. eyes. You were like, you saw it everywhere. Yeah. And there's, there's no looking, there's no going back, is there, no. once you've reached that point? And you look back on things and think, I was at, at my university, there was a guy, a supervisor, who used to wear a black armband every year on the day that women had been admitted to the college. Oh, friends who'd oh go you, went and to, have... you went to St. John's, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was just something that you didn't feel like you could argue about which sounds completely crazy to say that now but it was a really time. sad day for him actually laura <laughs> maybe you could just respect his feelings <laughs> felicity what about you did you have a feminist light bulb moment yeah i was really it was really late as well and it wasn't i mean i uh i always wanted to be a boy and i you know i i, I which translates to I wish my dad paid me more attention um, <laughs> and because like me it was me and my sister and I always I all my dad is just he's so funny and I just wanted to be like him and so I was very tomboyish when I was younger and um she said sitting cross-legged wearing a 1980s t-shirt um <laughs> I've really grown out of it um but uh I always had this chip on my shoulder that I never wanted uh, being a girl to stop me from doing anything so I sort of had like, but I, I had that very specific, I'm going to be the exception rather than I'm going to bring other women with yeah. me. Yeah. It was like, oh, I'm, I, want, I wanted to be the one of the boys. That's, yeah. that's how I really thought. Thatcher and, feminism, we call that. What do we call it? Thatcher yes, feminism. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, except I was working class as well. Uh, and uh, so I, I had lots of male friends. Being funny was my currency. Um, I was, uh, I, I, at the time I felt embarrassed about my girlfriends when we were going through puberty, that they like that they would have short skirts and they would wear makeup and I was like, oh my God, as if you do that, as if you try and get boys like that. Now I see that that is just a deep sense of jealousy that I, that wasn't available to me and I'd ruled that out for myself. And also my mum was this really, uh, mum sort of instilled me with these at, like activist ideas without her really doing anything overt but like there was a I mean this I'll get to feminism in uh, 10 years um <laughs> there was a wharf that was going to be knocked down where I lived and I was really upset about it because we all used to this is how oh god this is so dinky and Australian we used to jump off it into the bay like that's what we would do in summer we'd run off and uh, run off the wharf yeah we all live like that okay <laughs> are you happy I'm a cliche I get it <laughs> And uh, I said to mum that I didn't want it to be um, demolished. And she, she said, well, you need to write a petition. And so I wrote up a little petition. I didn't know what I was doing. And I got signatures from school and I sent them to the council. And um, so I had these really, like, I had activist ideas, but I had a, this um, a really strong tension between that and very sexist ideals as well. And it wasn't until I was, I want to say my late 20s, maybe even 30 again, and um, I'd, st I'd started working in comedy and... I, st I started hearing stories that I could hear for the first time. I'd heard lots of stories about women being sexually assaulted or sexually harassed. I've got those stories too of being harassed. Um, I, I just thought that was a given. And then it was I read Catelyn Moran's How to Be a Woman and it sort of activated something in me. I don't know if that's a corny thing to say, but it really did at the time. And then my feminism was very much about, you know, like advertising and, you know, and, and things that are not as important to me now, but I was very angry for a short time and now my anger is deep and silent. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you say about advertising, it's that, it's that thing that Hannah touched on earlier. Once, you, once that light bulb goes on, you see it everywhere. Mm. You can't stop seeing it. When we started Standard Issue, Sarah and I would text each other and it just go ding, 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 ding. Mm. And like something else had set off the fuck off sexism alarm. 
And I remember chatting with my brother and I helped raise my brother and he's a lovely, lovely man. We were chatting and he just went, you just never stop, do you? And I was like, no, because we can't, because yeah. the work is never done. Yeah. And you just, you can't not see it everywhere you look. Because mm. it's I, insidious. I don't know if you ever had this, but the, um, the insult of being a woman, like I remember my dad saying, I remember having an argument with my dad. And at the time, my mum and my sister were in the UK. They were like, they went on a trip together. And I said something to my dad and he went, oh, you're just like your mother. And I knew that was an insult. And the pain that I felt that I was like a woman was, was such an – I was so insulted that he thought of me like a woman. And I, I don't know if that's appropriate or even relevant. Um, it just came to me. It's interesting. It is certainly. interesting. I can remember arguing with my dad. There was a point I was desperate for a job and when I was like came out of university and he ran a building site – and I was like, just anything I, I can do, because you pay much better than I'm going to get working in a pub. And he would not employ me, because he was like, I think you'd be good at the job, but I also would worry that the men on the, on the site would like be horrible to you, and I don't want to put my daughter through that situation. And I just sort of went, all right then. And now I think, oh yeah, why bother cleaning up the quality of your work site? Yeah. Well, it was easier just to not have women on it than not have sexist pigs on it. Yeah. Susie, what about you? Um, I would say it was when I was like 11 and I wasn't allowed to join the school football team, even mm. though I had a lot more skill than most of the boys mm -hmm. on the pitch. Um, and it, I just found it so upsetting that I wasn't allowed to do what felt very natural for me to do and wanting to play in the... It's what I did at lunchtime. It's what I was really good at. And, I, and I'm not academic and I found school awful and horrible and didn't fit in with anything or anyone but I loved playing football and it was when I felt really good when I was playing football and I just wasn't allowed to do it because I was female and so I'd say that started it but then when I was around 20 I had sort of my first proper relationship and uh, my ex-girlfriend Faye who's now one of my best friends because lesbians do that <laughs> um, one of my dearest friends uh, she had not she'd, just, she'd recently finished a philosophy degree um, one of those really useful ones and um, she couldn't get a job but boy could she think and uh, she's a millionaire now <laughs> I've got a degree in philosophy <laughs> and boy can you think um, but she sort of it was around the time that I was sort of considering comedy. I hadn't yet started stand-up, but it, I knew it was something that I, I maybe wanted to do at some point. And she was like, well, you need to, like, sort of get your... You need to, you need to like, know your feminism, in a way. You need to know, because you're going to be... You're about to decide to go into this quite male-dominated industry. You really need to, like, know what you think about stuff. And she made me read The Second Sex when I was, like, 20. And like, a lot of it didn't make sense to me, because, you know, no education... Meh. And uh, like a bit, but a lot of it was like, oh, fucking hell, this is heavy. And then it was like, oh, yeah, it's shit for women. And oh, yeah, it was shit. Oh, it was shit a long time. Still shit now. And I thought, oh, it's horrible. Oh, I'll do something to make it less shit. And then. Don't summarize it. What are we going to talk about? Sorry. Spoilers, too. Sorry, Come on, sorry. mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I would say, yeah. And then I was just like, oh. And I still am a lot of the time, but just friendlier. Hannah, have you got a question? I have. Um, what's the story that everyone tells about you? I'm going to start. Let's go back down to Susie. Like from when? Like from any time? Well, like, you know, to embarrass you or to put you in oh, a little I want to position. Turn up at a, I turned up at a gig. I was... Okay, so I'm about to drop a massive name. We'll go out Henry the Hoover. No, um, I... I was, I was <laughs> stuck in a lift with him once. Henry the Hoover? <laughs> story, yeah. You know, there's more than one, right? <laughs> You have one that's the one. They're an no, empire. The literal Henry the Hoover. Yeah. No, just our Henry the Hoover. Okay, sure. <laughs> I was you, in there for stopped. a long time, so I started talking to him. Sure. <laughs> nice guy? Not that chatty, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, quiet. He sucks. I'm so sorry. I'm so and sorry. And you do this full time? Full time. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm doing quite well. <laughs> um, Bought Harry Potter tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Already seen it, mate. Um, my husband better be fucking grateful. Anyway, <laughs> I would put that on the on the little tag. You on the better Christmas be card. grateful. I love you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is why you don't get loads of Christmas presents from your friends. <laughs> Can't think of any good Christmas presents. They're scared um, of me. So I went out for 
dinner. I went out for lunch with Alan Carr because I'd recently supported him on tour. We got very drunk, like very, like too drunk. Uh, I then had a phone call um, from a lovely man that runs a lovely gig and said, he said, where are you? And I was like, I'm in Covent Garden. Where are you? He was like, I'm at my gig that you're on at in 20 minutes. I was like, no wazos, I'll get there. So, I mean, she got there. She got there. She doesn't know how she got there, but she got there. And then she was sick in front of some of the audience. So, yes. Yeah, and the Evening Standard Review was in. So, you know, that's the thing, pushing boundaries. Yeah, that, I, I say that is, this, that is the story that I have to own because I'm so scared that if somebody else tells it about me, I'm like, let me own the shame rather than like someone doling out the shame. So, yeah, that would be the other story to embarrass me, probably. Great. Laura. It wasn't. <laughs> uh, it depends who you ask. There are some amazing stories about me on the internet. Um, oh, okay. There are like, there's a guy, there's a guy in America who who wrote this open letter to my husband before we got married, um, publicly just warning him that if he married me, he would one day come home to find that I had burned our house down, killed our children, stolen all his money, and run off to join a coven of lesbian witches. Which sounded no, we, amazing. We a, I mean, he have literally just given me we ideas. Have that. <laughs> um, but so it's there good are, to have a five-year like, plan, though. Is this yeah. online mythology of, of you know these wow. stories about? There was a, another guy who literally wrote like a, a congratulations to all the other men in the world blog when I got engaged to my husband because you know presumably it was such a relief to every every other man out there so there's these kind of stories of this like horrific witch bitch woman online uh but for my friends my kind of greatest like mythological story about myself is that I when I was auditioning and, and working as an actress I did this audition for this uh ITV show and it was a kind of half like it was like a musical tv show it was kind of like a fame type thing and um, I turned up at the audition and there was this um, really, really shy, scruffy ginger kid. And we were kind of paired up into pairs, girl, boy, pairs to go into the audition. And we went in and we kind of were both awful and terrified. And then we came out and his mum came because he didn't know how to get the bus. <laughs> and to be fair, nor did I. Neither of us lived in London. So his mum came and like helped us to get on the bus to get back towards the station. And he was like, oh, God, I forgot to give them my, my demo disc. I was so nervous. Do you want it? And I was like, OK. And I took it home and it was this little like, you know, little made up CD. And someone said to me at the time, you should hold on to that because you never know, like, you know, who that person might be. It might be something. And I was like, yeah, right. And threw it away immediately. Um, turned out it was Ed Sheeran. So <laughs> <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> the embarrassing story that people tell them about me is also a drinking story. And one of the reasons I do not drink anymore uh, when I was 17, we went to uh, New Zealand. I had some family there. And uh, it was back in the time where you could get some pretty sick amounts of duty-free alcohol. So we bought a litre bottle of vodka and it was my uncle's 50th. And uh, I had developed a very practical drinking technique where I would have a shot of vodka, then I go to the bar and I drink a pint of water. And I was like, I've nailed it. This is how to have a great night. You get to pace it. You won't have a hangover in the morning. I thought I was a genius. So I had about three shots, about three pints. Then I got up to my fourth shot and got to the bar and God, the bar was really packed. So I thought, I'll just go back to my seat. I'll just I'll have another shot and then we'll go and get another pint of water then. And I don't think I had any more pints of water. <laughs> and I believe that I drank nearly three quarters of the bottle. And for the listeners at home, I'm five foot four and uh, a fairly slight woman. And I was sitting down, I was absolutely fine having a conversation, but I was sat down for ages and we're in this marquee and then I stood up and then like monkey barred my way from the tent poles trying to get out. And then rumour has it that I crawled across the dance floor because I couldn't walk anymore. And then I tried to go to the toilet in the vestibule area of the toilet. I mean, it's very cliche to use an actual cubicle. So, 
And then um, my sister, having been a teenage drunk herself, uh, knew the ways and she was like, we've just got to get Felicity to throw up and then it'll be fine. And I wouldn't throw up. Um, it, and it was New Zealand, it was in the winter, it was very cold, um, but I, was, I, I just had to go to sleep. I was about to pass out. So there was a van parked near the party and I laid... Dad was like, I'll just put you in the van and because uh, they still wanted to party. <laughs> Don't let your drunken blackout daughter get in the way of a good time, Dad. <laughs> and um, we're party people. And so I laid down and I went, oh, Dad, I think I'm going to be sick. So I sat up and I vomited all over him and it was a very good dad and he just put that vomit-covered coat over me and then... <laughs> Because uh, one side was still good and he couldn't use it anymore. And uh, then I was like, oh, Dad, I still don't feel good. So then I threw up on his jumper and so we had to take that off and put that on me. And then um, I woke up at some family friend's house and I had no recollection of this. And I said to the woman who, I was, uh, who was a family friend, again, they were like, ah, she'll be better off with them. Um, <laughs> so they still had a great night. And uh, I, I went up to the w woman in the morning and I had like a towel around me and a, a shirt on. And I said, oh, did you see me last night? Uh, do you remember anything? And she went, you probably curled up in a corner and went to sleep. I was like, yeah, that's probably what I did. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I got driven home to where my sister was staying and I walked into her bedroom. I was like, hey, and she went, get out. And she had never, ever been judgmental. I was like, what? And she went, you were disgusting last night and then got the piece-by-piece piece, um, uh, feedback of what happened. Hannah, what story did they tell about you? Um, yeah, well, a lot of them are pukey stories, actually, to be honest. You are I like am. a grade-A puker. I am absolutely terrible for throwing up. Do you throw up while you're drunk? I no, only... I throw up the next day. Yeah, me too. Always I was always day. a hangover spewer. In, in fact, yeah, here's the story. Um, we, uh, we were having a standard... I live in Cambridge. We were having a standard issue day out in Cambridge. We were going to go punting. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And Mickey came to stay at my house overnight and therefore we drank a bottle of whiskey because that's what you do. And then the next day I was so unbelievably ill and we got on the river and I'm not very good on any form of water at the best of times. And I was just about holding it together. Um, and I was actually doing the punting bit, which God knows why. Because no one else in the boat could do it. Then this really massive extra size punt that was full of tiny Chinese children <laughs> crashed into us pinned us up against a wall, so there was just wall, and then a boat with all of these angelic little faces looking, and I thought, I said, I'm going, I'm gonna vomit, <laughs> and there was nowhere to go, and I said, you've got to give me something, anything. And Hazel Davis, uh, the reporter, gave me a small plastic cup, yeah. like that, <laughs> and I just went, are you fucking kidding me? And then I basically sort of had to be sick like that. Oh. <laughs> it was that or on top of a small Chinese child's head. But in that story, quite often, it starts to get stretched a bit, doesn't it? That I basically did, did throw, throw up, up on, on a child. And I child. didn't. I threw up on myself. And you I took had one to do the, the rest of the punting. Yeah. Which is why we didn't move very far. <laughs> you? Me. Um... Oh, when I was very little, our family used to go and... Sorry, I'm still crying over Hannah chucking up in a punt. Um, <laughs> we used to holiday in Bournemouth in a caravan because it was all about the glamour. And when my mum and dad split up, my mum took me back to Bournemouth the next year because I don't think she knew what else to do. And we went to see Cannon and Ball. Please explain. You don't know what Cannon and Ball is? I don't know that I can explain. <laughs> Cannon and Ball were like a sort of music hall double act. Tommy Cannon, Bobby Ball. Tommy Obviously. Cannon's the straight man. Bobby Ball was the little, like, tough about guy who was the sort of pratfall. Mm -hmm. And they were hilarious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in lots of inverted <laughs> Yeah. Pretty huge. You've missed out. I only... <laughs> yeah. I love when people say stuff like, you've never heard of Cannon and Ball... <laughs> I didn't grow up here. How else would I know that? Um, you think they travelled? Bobby, you think well, they were massive in around Australia? various seaside towns in the sure. UK. Sure. Bobby Ball is in Lee Max, uh, not going out. Sure. So you know, still still working. <laughs> As That's the double nice to know. But I was a big fan of Cannon and Ball, and particularly Bobby Ball, and had all his catchphrases down. So my mum managed to wangle that you could go and meet them afterwards. 
And I wasn't as confident as I am now. And she basically sat six-year-old me on the table in front of Tommy Cannon and Bobby Ball and went, go on, do your impression. And I went, (laughs) and just cried and went, oh, I can't, Tommy. (laughs) And that was it. (laughs) (laughs) And she went, well done. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that you still push through with the impression through your tears. Yeah. Makes it so much funnier. She'd put me in braces and everything. Oh, oh darling. I assume they wore braces. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Why don't you know this? No, I'm joking. Okay, so I would like to know, because women aren't sugar and spice and all things nice, what is your worst habit? And I'm going to ask Felicity. Oh, I'm a picker. I'm a squeezer and a picker. You're picking now. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I have an anxiety disorder too. No need to hone in on it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> is I've always done it. I still have a scar. I mean, this isn't going to be funny. I I got bitten by an ant on the inside of my thigh when we went camping. Again, a total Australian stereotype. Um, and and a, an ant bite is not something that you can really pick or squeeze. But by jingo, I gave it a go, and I still have a scar because of it. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, the most sort of physically harmful thing that I do, I think. Yeah. Mentally yeah. harmful will. Oh, I'll mentally harmful. Oh, no, I go much darker and deeper than that. <laughs> As I said, I have an anxiety disorder, so it's almost an Olympic sport for me. Laura, what about you? Uh, I do, I'm, I'm, I overpoweringly come up with and force statistics into conversations when they're not wanted I have this like out it's of a, how many conversations do you a, put in a statistic <laughs> is that it's a well it's two things it's partly because I've always had a odd thing about numbers I have a, a synesthesia where I can see numbers as colors so I know mm. pi to like a hundred digits which is like the most embarrassing thing about me as well if that question's coming right. up um and so I have a numbers come very easily to me and with my job I've discovered you just have to have numbers 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 because my whole job is basically people saying sexism doesn't exist and the easiest way to counter that is to just statistic them until they're dead with you know <laughs> facts but I can't I can't stop can't not do it so you'll be watching a movie and you're like, well, actually, statistically, you know, like, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And you just, you get boyfriends and friends being like, could we just, could we just watch the movie? Could we just have a conversation without needing to know, like, what percentage of women have speaking roles in these films? And, <laughs> that, you know, women only get 28% of speaking roles, but they're three times more likely to have to take their clothes off on screens. And like, yeah, we know, but it's the first scene. And can we just enjoy it? <laughs> Does? Im- imagine you in Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> is anyone just sitting there going... Can you please recite pie up to 100? <laughs> Imagine. Hang on. We might have a question where she can do that. Oh, oh brilliant. Sorry. I'm looking it's, out for it. Can you recite pie to Is it? <laughs> How long would it take? It's quick. It's pretty quick. Okay. How okay. many times right. have you had to do it? Statistically speaking. <laughs> so do you have that thing where you people have colours? Yeah. and Well, mostly it's mostly like numbers, days of the week. Not so much with people. Because oh, Angela Barnes, the comedian, has synesthesia mm-hmm. and she said that people have colours and I said what colour am I and she said grey <laughs> I was really disappointed make it up just yeah. make something up just, just something vibrant anything you don't have a colour <laughs> you don't exist to you're me like a dark voice you're a shade <laughs> Susie what is your worst habit um I would say I, I I'm is, is worrying a habit like, what I do is I'll go out and, like, with my friends and stuff and, like, try and have a fun time. Not try and have a fun time. And, um, uh, and I'm, like, being, like, really, like, JP and doing the, like, yeah, we're putting each other down and we're playing things and we're doing funny things and we're saying silly things to each other and we're having a laugh. And then I'll get home and be like, that was, that was fun, wasn't it? It was fun for them, wasn't it? Everyone likes me. Does everyone hate me? I haven't got any friends. I hate myself. Why am I doing this? And it's just sort of a... Like, I, 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 I like, try and, like... I think it comes back to, like, showing off at school and trying to sort of get friends in being like, look at me, I'm funny, look at me, I'm funny. And now, like, I mean, it's worked out, but, um, but yeah, I would say that I, like, sort of, I, I'm, I'm scared of, like, fun ending. Okay. And so I try and elongate that, and then I worry. So you have, like, post-social social anxiety. Yeah, and FOMO. And FOMO as well. Yeah. You have an emotional hangover from fun. Yeah. Mm. And booze. And booze, yeah. Yeah. 
That's emotional and physical. Yeah. And spiritual sometimes. It <laughs> <laughs> is one. an incredible laugh, sir. <laughs> We've all been loving it the whole show. <laughs> Don't you feel Don't embarrassed? Don't you dare then? cover your mouth. Absolutely you let it not. out. <laughs> this is a safe place for you. <laughs> Hannah, what's your worst habit? I'm not, I'm not very good at going to bed. Oh, yeah. In fact, I get FOMO even if I'm in the house by myself and there's literally <laughs> nothing to miss. I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's one o'clock, I should go to bed. And I'm like, although I could just not go to bed and just do something else. <laughs> it's hard when you've not got a bedtime. When you've not got a bedtime. So when you've not got a bedtime. Yeah. yeah, well, exactly. But I mean, there's, there's t- even when I think I'll have an early night, I just seem to find things, oh, but then maybe I'll just read 19 chapters of this book or watch this. I'm, I'm not very, I don't. Get enough sleep. But then, do you also love sleep? Oh, I love sleep. Yes. I find it really hard to get out of bed. Yes. And then about once every two months, I have what I call a mega sleep, when I basically go to bed for about 24 hours, because <laughs> I'm so exhausted, because I just, I, I don't know, I generally exist on very little sleep, because I don't know, I don't know what I think I'm going to miss at two o'clock in the morning, late night bullseye on challenge, I don't know, <laughs> something that I just, I just not very good at going to bed. I, my mum used to make me go to bed, uh, like, uh, worryingly early. Not worryingly, humiliatingly early. <laughs> and until I was old. So, by the, I think when I, was, when I started high school, I think I was allowed to stay up till 8.30 then. And up until I was about 10, I went to bed at 6pm. What? I mean, I slept. <laughs> I slept. And, my, like, daylight savings, the sun would be up till 9, I'm like... <laughs> Are you ki- there are still children playing outside. She's like, it's bedtime. I'm like, she said it. All right. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, mum isn't here. I can go to bed as late as I want. Yeah. And mum was also really, really healthy. Like she fed us really healthy food. So there's a, b- a bit of me that's like, uh, I'm going to have a chocolate bar for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 20 years. Mum doesn't care. <laughs> like I'm getting her back. <laughs> she literally lives in a different hemisphere. And I'm like, you sucked in, Mum. Oh, I didn't have a vegetable tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Live your life, babe. It's fine. <laughs> um, it's already been charted on the podcast before that I, too, am a picker, mm. particularly my feet until they bleed. So Okay. Yeah. When you say you're a picker, we're talking, because uh, I've got a very dry heel, we're yeah. talking that, we're talking around do, the nails. Do you want help? <laughs> Is this a genuine offer? Because <laughs> you can't take it back once you've said it, Mick. Oh, I'm joking. My, my mum used, my stepdad used to pick my mum's feet. Oh, oh that's oh. really disgusting. That's absolutely <laughs> offensive. I'm not into that. Mm. You hear that thing where I said I was a puker? Right. <laughs> She's got a shirt open. She's ready to go again. Yeah. This is the punt all over again. I've witnessed our colleague Jen say something out loud that has made Hannah run and immediately throw up. Wow. That's how. Yeah, I'm incredibly weak stomach. Really puky. My sister used to get really bad verrucas and my dad is a doctor and he would bring scalpel blades home from work. And we would sit watching TV in the evening and she would lie on her front with her feet up behind her and he would just shave away at the very good. Hey, my mum's my single now. You might have to now, take that out. So. She'll never forgive me. Oh. <laughs> I just wanted to see if I could produce the same effect. <laughs> Families do God. disgusting things. My, my dad came off a scaffolding when I was a kid and he broke his back and he was in like a brace thing for ages and his back was like basically fucked for the rest of his life. And he used to come home from work and he used to lie on the floor, right? And he used to make us stand mm. when we were children and walk down his back. And you would hear all of this stuff just going, like grinding and whatever. And that was uh, one of the most disgusting. I don't know why I'm talking about it now because I'm sorry. Oh, mate, she's going to go. Now. She's going to go. Yeah. Have you ever been to a ginseng bath? Has anyone got a small cup? Yeah. <laughs> or a punch full of Chinese children. <laughs> I actually do have a punt full of Chinese yeah. children. I, I wasn't going to mention it, but it, I, I can't believe this has come up. <laughs> Hannah, I think you've got time for one more question. For one more question. Okay, if you guys could do <laughs> Could any... you talk to Susie? She really needs some <laughs> attention. <laughs> if you could do any other job on earth, what oh. would you like to do? Felicity. Oh, I thought we were going to Susie. <laughs> I'd probably be a zoologist. I don't have any skills in it, but I love animals so much. But I 
am a meat eater. It makes no sense at all. I love... Uh, there is nothing more confusing to me than a pig. <laughs> I do, or no, a lamb, a baby lamb. I know, they're all babies, but they just... I see them frolicking in fields and all I want to do is just run up and cuddle them and pat them, but I know it will be a matter of time before I'm just covering them in mint sauce. <laughs> they're so delicious. It's very confusing. A zoologist? Yeah. As, <laughs> that's probably... Susie? Um, you I mean, I'd really like to be a doctor, but I've got very little to back out with. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a nice bedside manner, I've been told. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a sex You hate me so much. <laughs> I love that you're just having a real good laugh at yourself. You're like, yeah, good one, Suze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what my stand-up shows are like. Like, yeah, I do half as much material as everyone else because after each shake, I'm like, <laughs> that was a good day. <laughs> I am very funny. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'd love to do something like that. Like, I really like Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> so like, if I'm going to go doctor, I'm going to go like brain surgeon. Yeah, why not? Do a bit Why of that, not? bit of scalp, yeah. I wouldn't. Are you interested in looking at a brain? No, nah, I'm all right. Okay. <laughs> Do you mean that you want to be on television as a doctor? Is that... Oh, yeah. She wants to be an actor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I, do, I do do a bit of that. You, you probably could be a brain surgeon. Do you know who Ben Carson is? He's one of Trump's administration. <laughs> and he's a brain surgeon and he is a fucking moron. Are you calling me a fucking moron? <laughs> no, but I'm saying if he could do that's it... that's not what it sounds like. Do you want to come on our podcast? It'd be really nice. It's really inclusive. Come on. Oh, what happened? They called a fucking moron. Well, this is nice, isn't it? I've been talked about, you know, I have FOMO. I worry about what I say. I think about it afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like yeah that like, was what I was saying. Cool. Exactly. Or like something like a midwife. Imagine that would be really nice. But nice not... is not the word I'd think. <laughs> no, but like, no, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't have that much interest in being down the business end, but I wouldn't mind... Then you a... don't want to be a midwife. <laughs> What's the job at the top where you hold their hand and say things like... Husband. Oh, husband. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to be I a husband. I want a wife. I want a wife. That is it. <laughs> I want a wife. I want to be a housewife. <laughs> That's what it is. Laura? Oh, God, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I didn't really pick this job. Kind of fell. Things, things happen, don't they? Um, I don't know. The thing I would like to do most of all at the moment is that I'm at the moment hearing a lot of these incredible stories from women that I want to kind of... I want there to be a... I think I'm describing a podcast. <laughs> a yeah, podcast yeah. I want there to be a way of sharing. And there's this thing at the moment where the stories that I'm hearing from women have changed. And so for, you know, these six years of doing the Everyday Sexism Project, we've been hearing these, these awful, awful stories about people's experiences of discrimination and um, violence and uh, abuse and harassment. And we're getting these stories now that I just want to broadcast, basically. That I want there to be like a, a medium, a job that is literally just telling women other women's success stories of really mm. specific things like really specific ways because I think we think there has to be like a quite kind of um legal or a, a, a sort of quite policy driven path to dealing with some of this stuff yeah. and there are these women out there who have these techniques these amazing things that they've said and done in these situations and I feel like it should be an official professional job that every other woman needs to know what they did so that they can do the same thing like um for example uh, a woman who's walking down the street and it's often things that you've heard and you you think oh I don't know what to say to that and and just having these brilliant women and the things that they say we just all need to know these answers for example one woman who was walking down the street and this man shouted sit on my face and she just turned around like that and went why is your nose bigger than your dick <laughs> it's amazing it's amazing and there's so many of them this this other woman she has these big breasts and she said when I walk down the street men literally just point them out to me you know they're like dirt big boobs whatever so she did this came up with this thing where she would just look down and scream like she'd never seen them before <laughs> And it's so good yeah. that you'd never think of it unless yeah. someone else. My, like, absolute number one favourite ever. There's a woman recently who said she was walking down the street and a guy was working up on a roof and he started shouting really quite abusive stuff at her. And because he was up on a roof, she felt like she could answer back in a way she wouldn't always feel safe to do. So she shouted back, you know, just sort of saying, think about what you're saying. What, how would you feel if someone was talking about your genitals as you walk down the street? Don't shout at women like that. Anyway, it went really badly. He started shouting worse, worse stuff at her. It was really nasty. So she was like, well, you know, I did try to have a chat. And then she just took his ladder down and left him up there to think about it. 
I told this story recently at a gig and a few days later I got an email from the organisers saying we just wanted to let you know there's a group of women who were at your event and um, they were on their way to another event afterwards it was like a festival and um, a guy on a roof started shouting at these women so they just ran over and took his ladder down and left him up there I like the idea of this spreading across the country and possibly the world yeah I I had a friend that did something similar to that in that uh, she was walking down the road and a, uh, a plumber started shouting like really like gross vile stuff at her as she was and she was jogging and a guy started and and uh, so she just took down the name of his plumbing company that was on the side of the van rang it a woman answered the phone they got to talking and she was like is it your husband that drives the van I'm really sorry to tell you this but this is what he just shouted at me and then like she was so like she, she like apologised to the woman, but she's like, I've got to tell you this. And then like two days later, the woman rang her and you were like, she was like, I'm really pleased you told me that. We've had a really big fucking round. He's never going to do it again. She was uh, like, brilliant. I had a guy, I actually um, messaged some girlfriends about this today, but I, uh, I had a guy, I don't have a private message function on my Facebook public page anymore. For, this is one of the many reasons. This guy wrote to me and he said, um, he said, uh, oh, would you send me some naked photos of you? And I wrote back, sure, what's your address so I can tell the police? And then he wrote back the next day and he said, I was really drunk, I'm very sorry. And it's all, it's, it, there's so many times that it's, I was drunk. I was, just if you're drunk, just wait till the morning. Just see if you still want to send it then <laughs> is a great suggestion, I think. Yeah, yeah, great. I do like the idea of being able to spot them more easily because they're just all stuck on roof. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sneak in one final question because Laura's got to do it. So it is December. It is party season. I would like to know, what is your party trick? (laughs) (laughs) And it seems a shame not to start with Laura. All right. Do you want to stick around? I'll do like like 78 of them. All right, ready? Why? Why? Someone's going to check and write in. 3.14159265358979323284 That is so... Do you have to look to a certain part of your brain to remember it? I just saw you looking at one spot. Oh, yeah, like seeing it like a, like a picture. My husband's going to be so humiliated that I did that. He's just going to be like, oh, you nerd, you nerd. Now How everybody knows. My wife's really smart. Oh, no. <laughs> Seriously, I can barely remember my PIN number most of the time. <laughs> I, I, How annoying is it when you change your PIN number and then, or you like you forget it, and then, and then you go to do it again, and then whatever it is, the website says, oh, you can't actually use an old uh, PIN number, yeah. and you're like. Well, like, how many do you want me to remember? Yeah. <laughs> I've got I, two, and then that's it. When I finally got a pin code on my phone, which I have managed to resist, and then Apple finally insisted I got one, it entirely fucked with my life. I was like, I don't, I don't know what my phone number is anymore. <laughs> I keep getting it wrong at the cash point mm. machine. It's, yeah, one number for everything. One number. they tell you is wrong. That's but. why I love the thumbprint. The thumbprint mm. security entry into Yeah, well, then I get paranoid someone's going to cut my thumb off and stop my phone. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we've all thought that, though. <laughs> but you're like, yeah, but it's got all my information. I just really need it right now, actually. <laughs> Felicity, what's your party trick? I have two party tricks, neither of which are impressive. One of them is, you know how everyone can fold their tongue sideways? Mm-hmm. I can fold it forward to back, which is perfect for a podcast. <laughs> I think the listeners will really get this. Oh, that's grim. It's Honey, fine. Are you it's, all right? It's fine. <laughs> and then the other one is I can make um, the sound of a spray bottle. It's much better if I have a spray bottle with nothing in it because I do. this is something I do my husband sometimes is I'll go up and I'll have a spray bottle and I'll put my fingers behind the trigger instead of in front of the trigger and then I'll go up to him and just go... Oh. <laughs> and he'll go... Ah, ah. Oh, fuck off! <laughs> I'm a real hoot. <laughs> Such an individual party trick as well. Yeah. <laughs> Just going up to the individual members of the party and spraying them. See it? And it's at the end of the amount of bottle too. Like there's, a, there's only like a little bit of window spray left. <laughs> like the little sucker has to like scab around the bottom of the bottle to see if it can get all the last bits of the liquid. 
I paint a picture with my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Susie? Um, I'm I'm good at holding reptiles. (laughs) (laughs) One clap. (laughs) That was a lizard. (laughs) (laughs) Probably a gecko, Suze. Sticky Uh, little pads. No! (laughs) They've got sticky pads. They do got sticky pads. Uh, So that, obviously. And... uh, For the listener, Susie is mime-holding what we hope is a reptile. No, it's a gun. It's a gun. Um, and I can tap dance. Wow. Come on, Susie. I mean, this is a tap, podcast tap, and I'm tap, not wearing yeah. tap shoes. I'll mic it. <laughs> can I do it seated? I don't know. Can, can you? you? <laughs> this is so going to be worth it. Wow. When you said mic it, I thought you were going to be like tap it, tap it, tap it, tap it, which I would have loved. If you'd said scat it, then I would have. I mean, what is scatting really? That's not a skill. It's a sexual thing. Is it? Yeah. Well, that has changed my entire understanding of jazz music. <laughs> oh, jazz, and I can do the, the noise of a trumpet. Go on. Oh, not bad. Really good. I said trumpet, but I did trombone. But you don't mind, do you? You like to keep people guessing. It's very jazz. It is very do jazz. one thing, mime another. Cool. <laughs> cool. Nice. Does anyone have anything that they would like to plug? Is it the other two gigs you're doing tonight, Susie? <laughs> nah, fuck them. Um, unless someone wants to drive me around London. No. Uh, so, uh, oh, I've got a run at the Soho Theatre in March. You've got a tour coming up. Oh, shit, yeah, and I'm touring the country. <laughs> <laughs> Susie Ruffle is touring the country. <laughs> Thanks, Flo. I mean... <laughs> I'm going to pick up my friend Felicity too. She's really handy to have about. Comedy isn't going so well. I'm a PR agent. (laughs) It's like a website that people could Oh, yeah. uh, (laughs) SusieRuffle.com and I've got a special on iPlayer. uh, BBC special on iPlayer. On Life and the BBC. And she just did Apollo, Life and the Apollo, Live at the Apollo. And so that will also be on iPlayer. Yeah, if you like that, if you like me, if you haven't enjoyed me, awful things. Uh, (laughs) If you have, a bit more. Oh, I've had enough. So, you know. <laughs> have as much as you want. Felicity? I have, one, oh, I have one extra show in this very room at the Leicester Square Theatre. Uh, on, the, <gasps> <yeah, laughs> on the 9th of March. That gecko's back. It was the one gecko. He's a big fan <laughs> of us, mate. Um, uh, all of my other shows in London have sold very well. This, on the other hand, is a, just such a big room. <laughs> so if anyone has ever thought about coming to see me, I would highly recommend the 9th of March, 2019. Because um, I bought tickets for my husband to Harry Potter and the Cursed... They're very expensive. <laughs> um, but you can get tickets at uh, felicityward.com and all of the other... Uh, all of the other things that I'm doing, none of which are on there, will be on there. <laughs> and she has a special on Netflix. Oh, yeah, I got a special on Netflix uh, on the Life in the BBC series. Amazing. And my Apollo is probably on iPlayer. Oh, yeah, she well. did Apollo the series as yeah. well. Oh, and, uh, sorry, it's, it's gone on a bit long, if anything. Um, <laughs> BBC have just put out a new app called BBC Sounds and I did a Radio 4 series in August uh, called Episodes and one episode is... Um, I have no idea who that is. Uh, the gecko n- makes noise now. One episode is about IBS, one's about uh, depression, one's about insomnia, and one's about anxiety. I promise it's a comedy. And, yeah, it's a four-part series. So if you're, if you're bored and having trouble getting to sleep, that might help you. And it sounds like I need a new PA. So PR. <laughs> PR. Kind of busy, She's dyslexic. Yeah. <laughs> Laura? Hmm? Um, I have a book coming out in February. It's called The Burning, and it's a bit different for me because it's a novel rather than a non-fiction book. Oh, she gets a clap. (laughs) What are we, chop liver over here? (laughs) Sounds delicious. (laughs) 
<laughs> available from all good bookshops. Yeah, yeah, and probably online as well. I think you can pre-order online. Well, they, I was going to say, can they pre-order on your website? No, but they can pre-order it from you know anywhere. You can pre-order a book, <laughs> right? Waterstones or or. Amazon or uh, you're not meant to say Amazon are you anymore? We're just going to keep staring at you and seeing how many, <laughs> <laughs> many bookshops should book I make? <laughs> local, go to your local bookshop, order it from your local bookshop. That's what I'll say. Mm. <laughs> Hannah? Yeah, I do actually. I am starting a new podcast which is just me. Um, just, well, I say just me, obviously. Um, yeah, in which I talk to people. It's called The Drink. It starts on January the 1st, in which I talk to people, all sorts of people, about alcohol, how much they drink, why they drink, when they drink it, why they don't drink, if they don't, what, how their job affects what they drink. Um, I've why spoke... never to drink while punting? Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. Funnily enough, I'm really interested in alcohol. Yeah, I've spoken to Aisha Hazarika, to Greg Jenner. Got, um, I've got some other things lined up with um, Paul Sinner, with The Scummy Mummies with Evelyn Mock. So, yeah, you'll be able to find that on Acast and, or you can follow me on Twitter where it is The Drink Podcast. Awesome. And that, oh, yeah. Oh. Thank you. They're pissed, mate. <laughs> um, and, of course, standard issue, please listen to us and come see the shows. And if you enjoyed yourself and you got to see Susie Ruffle tap dancing. Right. Right. And the fuckers who didn't buy in tickets. In John Martin's. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm niche, but if you like me, you really do. <laughs> <laughs> so please tell people to come see us. Tickets from Sarah's website. And follow us on Twitter at Standard Issue UK. And we release four podcasts. One, oh, four, podcasts four podcasts a month. Weekly would be easier. Yeah. <laughs> Very tired. We release a weekly podcast on a Wednesday. Give us a listen. All that remains for us to say is thank you very much for coming and please give it up for our guests, Laura Bates, Felicity Ward, Susie Ruffle, Liam Hannah. And well done, you.